from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Thanks for tuning in. This has been another year where public health has been at the forefront of our thoughts. Following last week's episode on mental health, I thought we'd take this episode as an opportunity to talk about where Sullivan County is at in terms of our physical well-being. We've spoken previously on this program about problems with our community's health and how we continue to rank extremely poorly across most health metrics in New York State. So I don't think a lengthy introduction is necessary here, but it's worth mentioning that as a result of our public health situation, several organizations have emerged to help combat these issues and slowly work to turn the tide on our health rankings. One of these groups is Sullivan 180, and the other day, I sat down with Sullivan 180's Marketing and Communications Manager, Samantha Mango, to get an overview of the work they've been doing in 2021 to improve public health. Oh, we've done so much this year. It's been a wild year. Um, Our biggest accomplishment, we have our flagship program, Empowering a Healthier Generation, So that really kicked off this year because in 2020, uh, the schools were inundated with COVID. So we weren't able to make a big push in that program, but we were able to make uh, a lot of connections and a lot of headways in all of the school districts this year. So Empowering a Healthier Generation program, um, you can learn more about the program as a whole on our website, www.solvin180.org. But just briefly, um, we have offered small preparation phase grants to the schools. And currently, 23 out of 24 school buildings, so not just the school districts, 23 out of 24 school buildings across Sullivan County have Healthier Generation advisors in their buildings, and they're currently working on their implementation grants. So, so many projects across all of the schools in Sullivan County are are doing wellness projects, which is really exciting. In 2021, we launched a new initiative. Our um, grants manager also took on the role of mental health programs, Jenny Sanchez. So Jenny is a trainer in QPR. QPR stands for Question, Persuade, Refer, all having to do with suicide prevention. So within her QPR trainings, she teaches others to learn these signs of suicide in friends, loved ones, coworkers, students. Um, Suicide prevention is really critical to Sullivan County. We have the highest rate of suicide in the Hudson Valley, and this we've had the highest rate for a decade. So this past year, Jenny has trained over 200 QPR gatekeepers who are now certified in suicide prevention. We've also had uh, hundreds of volunteer and staff hours 
where we have um, worked pop-up food pantries across several towns throughout the county, um, Monticello, Fallsburg, Woodridge, Liberty. Um, we've also been working the Sullivan County vaccination pods across the county, helping register people. I know our intern, Sam Dorn, is actually a vaccinator, so she's been giving shots out. Um, speaking of Sam Dorn, she was running the um, OFA on Wheels program. That's Office for the Aging through Sullivan County um, Office for the Aging. So we have, we being the group of partners that came together, BOCES, Office for the Aging, um, Rolling V, who donated the bus. It's a bus that was developed last year to help uh, provide mobile workspaces for students who didn't have internet access. So as summer came and school was out and the bus was no longer needed, we decided to still take the bus on the road and use it for Office for the Aging services. So Office for the Aging has an office in Monticello. Our county is so big and transportation is sometimes an issue for people. We are taking the services directly to the residents. So we went to eight locations across the county um, and we offered a variety of services. Um, Sam Dorn was doing blood pressure tests and pre-diabetes screenings. Um, Sullivan County Public Health came to give vaccines uh, to seniors who needed them. And we were able to connect with over a hundred seniors, which was amazing. We launched, um, we have a community resource guide. So we decided we would print those. We've had digital copies up on our website and we've, we really updated it, revamped it and printed them hard copy uh, in January. And since January, we have distributed 35,000 hard copies of the community resource guide. Um, and we've been asked for them several times from places like the Ambulance Corps and um, Garnet Health Urgent Care, doctor's offices, um, government center, food pantries. Lots of places are finding these resource guides really helpful for the people who frequent their offices and their buildings. And it's in a response to the number one issue that our residents reported in the um, community health assessment, which is a barrier. Uh, the barrier to improving their own health was lack of knowledge of existing resources. So this is sort of a compilation of all of the resources across the county in a variety of categories. And it's ever-changing as organizations develop, they get added, um, but distributing 35,000 copies was huge. <laughs> Is the work that Sullivan 180 is doing on a really broad scale, 40,000 foot view working? Um, so I think our work has to be in collaboration with all of the other county entities as we have this common goal and shared strategy. Um, so it's hard to say, is it working? Because if you look at the numbers, you don't see a lot of movement and you may see worsening. But that is why essentially we are Sullivan 180. It, we are not looking to make a 
change overnight. This is a slow, methodical process. It is a long-term goal. Um, and we have been working with Sullivan County government. Uh, John Little, the commissioner for health and family services, has this plan, the four E's. And we are in the fourth pillar of encouraging healthy behaviors. And that's how Sullivan 180 is honing in on making a change in conjunction with collaborating with all of the other partner agencies and organizations who are in our pillar and also across the other pillars to improve the health of our county. Um, it's really smart. It's really strategic. And I think if we continue to follow uh, this guided strategy, we can certainly make a difference not tomorrow, but maybe in five years, 10 years, we can see a difference. How do we make the jump from doing a lot of really good work towards encouraging healthy behaviors to actually seeing healthier behaviors? That's a tough question. And I think at Sullivan 180, we believe in grassroots change. So if we can connect with um, the youth through our Empowering a Healthier Generation program and have them learn that a small lifestyle change can affect themselves and their family and their community around them. If you make one person make a small change in their life and that affects the people around them, it has a ripple effect. And then eventually you affect the entire community. Does Sullivan 180 also work on policy advocacy? And, and what does that side of things look like in addition to bringing community stakeholders together? Sure. We don't directly work on policy, although our community advisory board does have a um, policy subcommittee. Uh, we do write letters of support to our partnering organizations, partnering entities across the county. If they are looking to make policy change, we are certainly here to support um, any organization that is is doing such things. And we, of course, work with um, elected officials and ask them to take health and wellness into consideration. What change are you hoping to see in 10 years from now in Sullivan County? I think connecting the rail trails is going to be um, really wonderful, a really great thing for our community and for New York State at large, because it could become something of a tourist attraction. But because we are so diverse and we have different communities of various backgrounds, I think having something that's so natural and free and outdoors that promotes physical activity of all different kinds, it has so much to offer to just simply get outside which is so easy. And we are lucky to live in such a beautiful area that I, I took my first walk along the Liberty O&W Rail Trail, which I did not know even existed until a few months ago. And it is just so beautiful. You almost don't realize that 17 is a stone's throw away. <laughs> what other partnerships and milestones is Sullivan 180 hoping to hit? 
not just in 2022, but looking again, maybe a decade out? We would really love to see our Empowering a Healthier Generation program grow, which it's grown exponentially this year. Um, And that being our flagship program, we're just really looking to, to get that to be as best as it can be and touch all of the schools, touch all of the the students, the youth in our county, whether it be the college or um, Project Excel or the homestead, um, the homeschoolers, we we really want to make a difference in the youth of our county and have them see that they can adopt a healthier lifestyle. Sullivan 180 is taking a multifaceted approach to improving local health, with a particular focus on improving health communication and aligning community stakeholders to help tackle our poor health on multiple fronts. But that conversation with Samantha got me thinking, why is our public health situation so bad in the first place? How did we get to this point? So to find out more, I got on the phone with Dr. Bruce Ellswig. I'm Bruce Ellswig. I'm a physician practicing with Crystal Run Healthcare. I'm the medical director for Sullivan County Public Health Services. I'm the chairman of the Public Health Advisory Board. And also I'm on the board, the professional advisory board for Sullivan 180. Um, So I have a lot of roles in the county, uh, and I enjoy taking care of the people who are in great need in Sullivan County. Obviously, as you know, our uh, health rankings in Sullivan County uh, have been not so hot for a long time. Um, They continue to not look so good. Sullivan County, historically, was uh, a place where you know people would come up from the city to be healed from uh, tuberculosis and any other range of diseases that they were getting in the city. So it's almost tragically ironic that we are still 61 of 62 counties for health rankings and whatnot. So how did we get to this place where we're at today? Well, as you know, the health rankings uh, are multifactorial. One of the statistics is uh, death below the age of 60. And the other uh, are self-reported data that involve uh, quality of life issues. Certainly the area has changed. We still come up here to heal our souls and heal our minds and hopefully provide excellent health care to the population that's here as well as our guests. We um, suffer unfortunately from uh, poverty from lack of opportunity for jobs, from uh, challenges with education. All of these factors are uh, part of the data that is collected for the healthcare statistics. We don't do so well with uh, smoking, with drugs, with obesity, with diabetes, with uh, diseases that are unfortunately uh, present themselves as a result of many factors, including, as I mentioned, education, access to healthcare, lack of opportunity as far as work. Um, People come to the county for many reasons. They come because they want to escape the stresses of the city. They've recently come to escape the disease of COVID. 
um, which has actually added a huge burden on our ability to deliver the standard of care that we hope to give to everyone. How so? Well, uh, the fact that the disease is here, uh, that it's challenged our healthcare systems, our ability to provide uh, care to people who have resisted the vaccine, for example. Um, our statistics in Sullivan County, unfortunately, for uh, people who are resistant to getting the vaccines are very high. And as you can see from the daily reports from the uh, county website, our numbers of people infected, our numbers of people in quarantine, our numbers of people in the hospital, the numbers of people who have passed with a county of only 70,000 people. We have, I believe, 97 deaths at this point, which is remarkably high. And we are utilizing our, are stretching the ability of our healthcare system to provide care to those people who have not gotten vaccinated. Um, we've had challenges in the last two years, initially two years ago with measles, with an under-vaccinated population. And we provide both in public health services and in our practices, the opportunity to get vaccinated for a multitude of diseases, to take care of your health, to do the preventive gestures that are so important to improve the quality of care. We rank poorly both in health factors and health outcomes. What do those mean and what's the difference between the two? Well, health factors include things like diabetes, obesity, drug abuse, tobacco use, um, uh, infant mortality, uh, access to healthcare. Those are the main factors I think that impact on that area. The outcomes, again, are dependent on those factors that I just mentioned. Um, if you don't take care of your diabetes, your heart disease, uh, your obesity, if you smoke, if you use drugs, then the statistics of early death uh, are magnified. Uh, and uh, we, we do have a population here that is uh, unfortunately resistive to getting adequate health care. Um, and that, again, is multifactorial. That has to do with politics. It has to do with so many other factors that people have gravitated to our county to escape, as well as to provide for a beautiful environment. So in the most recent Mid-Hudson Regional Community Health Assessment, um, more than 20% of Sullivan County residents who were, were surveyed in this health assessment reported that they did not receive medical care in the past year as a result of cost uh, as you know, the main factor. But for the other counties in that Mid-Hudson region, None of the other ones were above 15%. We were over 20. Most were closer to 10 to 12% not receiving adequate health care as a result of costs. Do you see health care as a right? And how do we improve access to health care for low-income communities? I do see health care as a right. Uh, I see that we have opportunities. I think some of the opportunities that we have especially in New York, which, which has been ahead of the curve as, for, as far as providing insurance products for people that are underserved, certainly not undeserved, but underserved. We have um, political hot potatoes in uh, Washington right now with the opportunity to improve access to health care, to improve housing, to improve all of the factors that contribute to that 
to answer that question that you raised. Uh, and I hope uh, and I pray that we have um, a more aggressive approach to providing uh, care for the underserved population. Uh, as far as cost, there are many portals for access to healthcare, uh, both in private practices and large group practices and in Sun River Healthcare, for example, which is a federally qualified health center. Uh, the problem may also rest in the ability to be transported uh, to these opportunities. So uh, cost is a barrier, um, but with improved insurance products, with a better access to, for example, the affordable care system, we should not have this resistance. Some people are resistant to applying or don't know how to apply or don't have access because they don't have broadband uh, to get access to the uh, healthcare that would be provided for them at little or no cost. So again, that's not just a straightforward access because of cost restriction. It's also access because people don't have the ability to uh, register to get the cost savings that would be provided by the systems we now have in place. And hopefully with new federal uh, assistance, we'll be able to provide more care to more people and easier access. Do you see cost as less of a legitimate factor towards not receiving health care than it sounds like you're saying information or something like transportation? Information and transportation are factors. Cost certainly is a factor, but if we have the ability to provide products, insurance products, uh, affordable health care, activity that's uh, supported by the both, both by the state and by the federal government, hopefully cost becomes less of a barrier. But barriers are multifactorial. So I know that we are working on a public transportation program in Sullivan County in the last couple of years. We have the uh, Move Sullivan program, yeah. uh, which is groundbreaking, and and I you know hope to see that other uh, interventions you know like that continue to develop. But how do we improve the information pipeline there? Because to me, it seems like you can you know lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. So you know we have with the internet, uh, you know, assuming one has broadband access, and obviously not everyone does, all the information in the world is at our fingertips, probably including information regarding how we can access uh, affordable health care. So, you know, how do we bridge that gap? Public health has a great role in bridging that gap, as does Sullivan 180. And the outreach that we have with practices, particularly with the federally funded healthcare system that, that exists in Sullivan County. We do have tools, but unfortunately we face in some areas resistance to even uh, wanting to access this care. I think that uh, some people in Sullivan County just came here to avoid in what they perceive as interference in their own lives and don't access the system because they are afraid of it because they're uh, concern that it uh, takes away their independence. There's no simple, there's no one simple factor. I think that we have the opportunity in our schools uh, to educate the children who will then educate their parents about 
improving access to healthcare. Uh, I'm also the uh, medical director for Tri-Valley School System, and I know that we're aggressively trying to provide important education, particularly around the COVID uh, disease, to the children and, and their parents and provide uh, tools by which they can access the healthcare system as well. So I think education is a, a major pillar in solving some of the issues of our poor healthcare statistics and providing access to care. Uh, but resistance is out there. So on the insurance side of things, obviously American health insurance is fairly unique from uh, how insurance is set up throughout much of the rest of the world. What are your uh, thoughts on how our insurance system is set up as someone who is kind of on the inside of the medical profession? And if you could kind of wave a wand and make improvements to our insurance system, what improvements would you want to make to it? Well, if you're talking about universal health care, about Medicare for all, about a lot of these uh, tools that have been proposed, I think, as you said earlier, that improved health care is a right. Um, I think that access to um, care without barriers is important. I think that we need uh, to be socially responsible um, as a country and provide uh, for a system that has few, if any, barriers to getting health care that's of high quality. The cost of providing health care in this country is huge, and the quality is doesn't match the cost when compared to other countries in the world. And uh, we have examples uh, around the world of successful systems that have provided good health care to the majority of their people with few, if any, barriers. There are challenges in those systems as well. There is no perfect system out there. But I think we have a great opportunity to improve as a country to provide for adequate access to people if they will take it. And again, it's, it's multifactorial. If the system is out there and we can't reach the people that need it because of lack of uh, information uh, technology, for the lack of broadband, for the lack of education, we still lose. Are there positive interventions locally to improve access to healthcare that you've seen taking place? And are there any interventions that aren't happening locally that you would like to see happening in the next decade or so, let's say? So you mentioned transportation. I think the move Sullivan is a great opportunity and getting people to their healthcare providers in a timely fashion and appropriate times. I've noticed um, at times that the, the, the bus is at an office at uh, 6.30 in the morning when the office doesn't open until 7.30. Uh, so timing is important. Uh, again, providing a broad swath of access to this wonderful opportunity to improve transportation. And again, broadband is a major issue. Um, accessing people at home with telehealth is an incredible opportunity, but it does require that the people have the systems at their homes to have a computer, to have a cell phone, to have broadband that allows them to communicate with their healthcare providers. 
I know that in public health, we have never stopped despite the challenges of the measles epidemic and the pandemic that we've suffered in the last two years, public health has not ceased to provide incredible care to people in their homes, to do the preventive things that are necessary, to provide, to provide vaccines. I know that Sullivan 180 has made an incredible outreach to the schools to improve the education. I know that our local hospital system has opened its doors to provide vaccinations. We've made a great deal of effort, but as you know, uh, there has been an incredible, uh, unfortunate distraction in the last two years with COVID, and that will continue for a long time. It's not over uh, with Omicron, with the, uh, again, resistance to vaccination. We're in for a long haul uh, with this horrible disease, but we can't neglect the fact that our people need resources to and access to resources that will provide for improving their health care. This is an unfortunate distraction that's impacted tremendously on our ability to provide care that is necessary to improve our statistics as a whole, but it is not insurmountable. And as I mentioned, our organizations that are partnered in the Valley and the County rather have uh, not neglected the important aspect of providing adequate health care in general the population. So as you mentioned earlier, we also have, in addition to poor health factors and outcomes and whatnot, we also have a high mortality rate in our community as well. Do you see the uh, interventions to improve our, our mortality rate differing in any way from interventions to improve the overall health of the community? And, and if so, how? I think they're paired. I, I think they're, they're intimately involved with each other. If you improve obesity, if you eliminate some of the problems with the uh, drug abuse, if you stop smoking, uh, if you uh, lose weight, uh, these are all factors that uh, will improve our mortality statistics. But you look at the statistics, particularly with the drug abuse, and hopefully our our task force, which is very active at this point, can help improve those numbers. But with a lack of employment, with poverty, with the challenges of the disease, with boredom, uh, with many factors that have impacted us in the last two years, um, the drug abuse problem has gotten uh, worse. So that also impacts on the uh, mortality statistics, whether it be from direct involvement with drug overdoses or um, uh, automobile accidents from people who are abusing drugs or alcohol. And uh, certainly uh, heart disease, again, is multifactorial, uh, obesity, diabetes, hypertension. These are all factors that if people are not seeking their routine health care um, for a variety of reasons, for fear of the disease, for lack of access, for uh, cost barriers, whatever they may be, may be um, the statistics get worse. On the topic of the coronavirus, what concerns you the most about coronavirus moving forward now that we're at already the two-year anniversary of COVID? And are there any bright spots that have made you feel more optimistic about COVID recently? Certainly the bright spots are the access to vaccines. We know that if people get the two uh, immunizations uh, that are provided by uh, Moderna and Pfizer 
and then the booster or the third shot that people are less likely to be hospitalized and die. People may still get a disease. They may still have the ability to have long haul side effects of the disease. But I'm optimistic that if people actually respond to the availability of the vaccinations, that is the bright spot. The fact that we have the technology with the mRNA vaccines is an incredible opportunity to prevent disease in the future. Uh, and the way that we've been able to access it in such a robust fashion is, is very important. The disease is not going to go away. It may be from a pandemic or to an endemic disease, which would require annual vaccinations like we do for the flu, but yet to be determined. I think that we also, as a, as a country, not just as a county, have a responsibility to the world to make sure that, that the access to the vaccines are available universally because the lack of vaccines in many areas of the world has provided opportunity for this horrible disease to mutate and create the variants that give us the challenges that we're facing now. I unfortunately see a great deal of resistance remaining in our county to getting the vaccination. I think it's unfortunate that people believe in what they read on or hear on the internet rather than listening to their clinicians or listening to the scientists that actually have validity in the the uh, access and the availability to the vaccine. And it's a wonderful opportunity to get the vaccine. Our numbers are not great in Sullivan County. And as you can see from the daily statistics that are published on the website, county website, we're not doing great as far as the number of people that have acquired the disease, that are in quarantine or isolation, that are hospitalized and that are dying. A major distraction to the ability of everyone to improve our access to healthcare. Do you have any advice for maintaining our uh, health this winter, both related to COVID and, and outside of the sphere of COVID? Yes, I do. I said, related to COVID, wear your mask, stay socially distant, get the vaccination. That's number one. I think that uh, we do have availability of our clinicians to provide the preventive gestures that are so important for people to improve their health, colonoscopy, mammography. Uh, blood tests, maintaining their control of their high blood pressure, controlling their heart disease, controlling their diabetes, uh, access to the getting to their doctors is still there. And we have the relatively new opportunity, which is fairly widespread. Again, if you have access to broadband, to doing telehealth for those people who are concerned about going out into the current environment. We have wonderful clinicians throughout the county, both in small practices and in large practices, and again, I mentioned the, the federally uh, funded healthcare system that is available in our county. There are opportunities available. Take the opportunities. Don't ignore the th things that are so important to improving the healthcare for your future, the preventive gestures that are available, the vaccinations that are important, and uh, take care of your kids. I recorded that interview with Bruce Ellswig about a week and a half before releasing this episode, and since then, our COVID cases in Sullivan County and around much of New York State have jumped to record-breaking levels as the Omicron variant continues to spread. 
And it's probably going to get worse following holiday festivities and gatherings. So get vaccinated, stay positive, test negative, and wear those masks. And hey, it's getting cold enough now that our masks also double as face warmers. So we've got that going for us. Thanks again to Samantha Mango and Dr. Bruce Ellswig for taking the time to chat on this episode. And as always, thank you for listening. I'm Leif Johansson, and this is Close to Home, a podcast from WJFF Radio Catskill. Have a great week. Have a great week.